Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Lantern Rouge Cycling Podcast with Benji Nyson. This is our Stage 18 Volta Espana recap and our Stage 3 recap of the Chera Tizit uh, Madrid challenged by La Vuelta, the women's stage race, both the last stages in each of those respective races and the last, well, yeah, the last major racing, World Tour racing this year in 2020. So that being said, I'd like to give a big shout-out to our sponsor, Le Col, throughout the Giro and the Vuelta. They've made these podcasts possible with Benji and I. You know, Benji, this is in his full-time gig. I'm trying to make this my full-time gig and Le Col have i uh, gone a long way in supporting us doing that. If you don't know what the Col do, they produce performance road cycling apparel. They provide the kit to Bahrain McLaren in the pro peloton, while Poles was a nice sixth on GC, actually, in this world. I kind of flew under the radar. If you want to check out their kit, it's at www.lecole.cc, and I'd encourage you to go and check it out. And i also got one more thing to ask before I get into this stage profile. Might be a big ask, but... Go and give us a review or a rating on the Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already. This is on the this stage tonight is the back end of I think fifty days straight where I haven't gone to bed before five thirty a.m., which is I feel I feel really bad. Um, yeah, I haven't gone to bed. I haven't got more than five hours sleep in maybe three months. Not exaggerating. And the last fifty days, it's been great. We've had all this racing, but. I'm pretty tired, and I've I've uh, kind of cost myself a fair bit in the health department, etc. But we're going to fix that in the summer now that I can sleep a little bit. But yeah, that's a big ask for me. If you like the pod, it helps us a lot. If you do that sort of thing, we're trying to get to a thousand reviews, not even or rating, sorry, before Christmas or the end of the year. But anyway, stage eighteen, Hippodromo de la Zarzuela to Madrid, 140 k's. It's a procession. It's a flat sprint. There's an intermediate sprint actually with some bonus seconds with like 25Ks to go. Uh, but that's about it really. I picked Bennett yesterday. Benji picked Ackham and I think, did I, I, I should let you say anything, Benji. How do you feel now? It's the end of the season. Um, how are you feeling as we come into this procession in uh, in Madrid? Yeah, it's been a busy, uh, busy few months. I've terribly enjoyed it. And I think that we've got some stuff planned for the off season as well. If you've still got ideas, definitely post them in the YouTube comments on Twitter using hashtag LRCP or anywhere that we can uh, find it. Maybe on Instagram. We've both got Instagram and we are pretty accessible there. So if you want to throw it at us, we'll we'll try and see if it can work throughout the off season. But again, want to thank you before we get started into this final stage. Thank you for all the support in the last few months. It's been a it's been a good ride. It's been a good ride and we've got ambitious plans for the future and we hope to bring that forward with you on our trip so that's kind of the uh the intro here but yeah we're gonna talk about the stage we're gonna talk about stage 18 i had akaman you had um bennett bennett was looking better before the stage knowing that he had a better vuelta already 
Akemon was a bit on the side of not having had a real proper Grand Tour win this season. And he had one victory at Tireno, I think. And a bit of a, a mediocre season compared to last year where he demolished the Giro. So he's he's had a, a season that is perhaps a bit less than he hoped for, but he was able to try and get that back today. And uh, we'll see if that worked out or if Bennett took it or a random other person like Max Conte, Jasper Philipsen, they've all got opportunities here. I think I've, I I saw Philipsen as third best sprinter here at the start line at the start of this Grand Tour, and it's still relatively the case. And I think that Philipsen and Ackermann were on a similar level before we got to these sprint stages. But usually I go over the breakaway in these stages, but knowing that it's a procession, that it's this final, typical final stage like you have in the Tour de France with the Champs-Élysées, now you've got it in Madrid. There was a lot of tension a few weeks ago whether this would work out with COVID and such, but having literally no COVID uh, riders on the off days and on the rest days and throughout the whole Vuelta here, well, that means that um, they've been doing a pretty good job at ASO for this one. So congratulations to them as well. Thank you for organizing a race of this stature in the middle of an epidemic. And it's probably harder than any of us can imagine so yeah credits to them as well but all in all breakaway who cares someone attacked wellens attacked for a bit i think some other people did as well but to be honest nobody really cared in today's stage they weren't going to make it anyway we knew that was going to be a sprint it's not like that year where Geisa was that here was that tour of turkey i think that was tour of turkey that was tour of turkey it was yeah. vinakurov there's been a few last kilometer attacks in the shops so they say vinakurov and the guy that won Milano San Remo, I think, did Schmil attack late? I don't know. There's been a few late attacks in Champs. It never happens. I hate the procession stages. <laughs> think about how exciting Giro ITT stage was and then compare that to, I guess, what is basically racing for five kilometres. I mean, it's just not the best way to showcase the sport, in my view. Um, you can do a procession, just make the right oh, – let them do a lap afterwards, the guys that won as a team. I think that would actually be nicer, to be honest, than doing it in the stage. Uh, that's what I would do. But we saw Richard Carapaz was in the green jersey, even though he didn't win it. Roglic won it, and they were posting up. And I think they were – because this was Chris Froome's last race with Ineos or Skinnyos. So the yes. end of an era there, he got awarded a Vuelta 2011 trophy, Um GC victory, got the trophy for that. So maybe they were posting up for that. Ineos rather than Carapaz, second place. Um, so they're doing that. Roglic posed with his team, obviously celebrating. Then all the jerseys. Interestingly, Guillaume Martin wasn't able to ride without taking both hands off the bars. Uh, maybe it's a learned skill. Roglic has been yeah, winning a lot of races where he can do that. What else? Happened nothing. It was just I hate these stages. They're just and a lot of other people do too. Um, it just can't be a good. You want to end on a good note, like the. Can't imagine anything else in any other sport like this. Maybe How about a finish on Alduez. In the in the, in the uh, okay in the world. I mean, you don't have to go that far. Just to any form of competitive <laughs> cycling race where G, there could be a GC gap would that would do the fit, fit very nicely for me. Um, but it was. 
I think I picked Bennett maybe because I was being lazy and, and Benji went with Ackerman. Benji says he went to just be contrarian, but I don't believe him. I think he was actually thinking that maybe Ackerman was a lot more motivated than Bennett and would be, given what Benji just described, with no major wins apart from Torino. And also Bennett looked really rough in the mountains in the last few days, looked very tired, not criticising him, justified. He was in the tour, fighting all, all tour for green, not just... So Caleb Ewan was just bit fighting the time cut. Bennett was fighting for green. That's even more energy. She won. And now it comes to the Vuelta. Whereas Ackerman sort of was – he got in that breakaway right, Benji, in the mountain state. Did that feed into your thinking, the fact that Ackerman – like he must have felt okay to get in, even though it was a joke, to get in that mountain stage break? Well, true, but it didn't really influence my uh, my pick of Ackerman yesterday. I think yesterday I just wanted to be a bit contrarian, like you said. I, I got to be honest, I, <laughs> I won't take full credit in uh, in any rider that I say like that in a way where I'm just contrarian towards somebody. So if Akamon would win the stage, I don't want to uh, take full credit for that for sure. But uh, I mean, you're right. There's... On Twitter. <laughs> 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 Damn it. <laughs> anyway, um, let's talk about the rest of the race here. Um, we had an interesting situation that I was looking forward to. I was looking forward to the intermediate sprint because looking at GC, we had top 10, Fulverde being 10th with... 9 minutes 34 behind Roglic. And then the 11th spot, Vlazov, was 9 minutes 36 behind Roglic. I was like, yeah, this is going to be that. We saw a few years ago that Chris Froome was sprinting on the Madrid stage to try and secure a green jersey compared to a sprinter. I thought Vlazov is going to try and attack and take that uh, intermediate sprint. But some people pointed out to me that he actually tried something, but I didn't see it. I generally gloze over it and... Yeah, did you see anything from Vlazov? Because no, I just, I just saw Grush, I just saw Grushchev. I just saw the Grushchev guy getting in the breakaway, the other Astana rider. I didn't really see too much from Vlasov. Anyway, I would have loved to uh, to see that happen, but I guess no. But um, yeah, that was the only thing that really happened throughout the stage where I was hoping for something to happen outside of the last few kilometers. I was uh, secretly still rooting for my preview pick as well because. Before the Vuelta started, I had Aberasturi on the stage, but he's been pretty trash all over throughout this Vuelta, although I still respect him a lot. He's in my heart, Jon Aberasturi. But um, yeah, for the rest of the stage, I guess we can basically start talking about the sprint because not too much happened overall. We have a lead-up to the sprint where there's a, a group with three riders or so left at the front with 10 seconds of a gap at about 11, 12 kilometers to go. And what we noticed is just directly at 10k to go, directly at 10k, it was like on the spot 10k, we see the whole team of the Kerning Quickstep at the front of Peloton in one train. And we see a bit of a pattern, first the entire train of Quickstep, then the entire train of Bora Hansgrohe for Ackermann, and then the entire train for UAE with Philipson, and then some riders sprinkled around and not necessarily a full team for any other rider. So clearly all those teams trying to put it all on the line for their sprinter, and I was thinking, what if we just have three sprint trains going into that final corner? That's going to be chaos. So luckily, some stuff happened after that, causing, well, first of all, the first two riders of the Koenig to go out front, Cataneo and so forth. But Cavagna, again, one hell of a ride. And I want to give a bit of a note on Cavagna. He won the most combative of La Vuelta. And 
I guess that's somewhat deserving. I'm, I'm, I'm having to think back about all the stages, but I remember him being in the break a lot. I remember, remember naming him a lot in the breakaway stages. He hadn't achieved much, and I think that's why they gave him this prize, because Wellens was in a similar amount of breakaways, got two stage wins. Martin was in a similar amount of breakaways, got the KOM jersey. And Cavanaugh was in the breakaway a lot, but didn't get anything out of it. So perhaps that's the reason that they give it to them. Do you feel like it's uh, a good thing to give someone a prize because he didn't win anything else? No. I think, oh, I don't really mind. I think Cavanaugh deserves it, to be honest. I don't have an issue with it. He was pretty active. He could have won a few stages if things had gone differently, if anything else hadn't chased him on one of the stages. So, yeah, I don't know. No major issues with it, but what I noticed was in this last, then got they they caught the break as they would were going to, and the sprint trains have assembled, and you see Bora on the front, and De Koenig just disappear with three k's to go, two and a half k's to go, and this is not a cause for alarm. We see this all the time with Quickstep. They go to the, and this is why Bennett and Murku and Quickstep, it's ludicrous them complaining about uh, Leipnich the other day. When they're like, well, this is, you know, how dare you barge in? It's like, well, their strategy in all these sprints is with three Ks to go, three to four, they will drift back to more to, you know, 10 to 15 riders deep, sometimes even deeper. They'll drift back there and keep Bennett in a better sit than right at the front. And then with 1,500 or 1,200 to go, they will surge up to the front. They'll burn a rider to, to come up to the front and then they will just, slot right in to the best sprinter's wheel and on his lead out or wherever another better sit is. And whoever's on that wheel, they better be <laughs> giving it up. That's exactly what happened to Leipinch. And it happened again today. That's their strategy. Um, I don't know who it was that yielded the wheel, but they ended up on Ackerman's wheel. But I saw at 7.50 to go when normally you'd see two riders, um, probably Stieber, then Murku, launching Bennett, I saw Merku pull out at 750. He just said, nah, and maybe he was the one that brought Bennett up there or brought Brendan Stebar up there. So maybe that's why he was done um, and couldn't do any more, was tired, etc. And then Stebar, I think it was too, couldn't really pull for Bennett at all. I don't really see him do any lead out for Bennett after that point. So Bennett was kind of having was having a fight for his own wheel. He's a little bit off the wheel, wasn't right slotted in on Ackerman, even though the wheel was there to, to be had. Cantor and Philipson were on the left-hand side of Ackerman. They turn in a slight left bend, and they open it up. Well, Ackerman does early. You know he's going to open up early. It's just what he does with 200 to go maybe. He's got Bennett pretty much on the wheel, but Bennett had been waving his – I don't know. Bennett kind of was waving his front wheel all over the place, not in like a dangerous way. I more mean in an inefficient way. He got it on the right-hand side of Ackerman and then had to soft pedal and slow down a fair bit, lost a bit of momentum as Ackerman kicked, I think, because uh, he had his wheel in the wrong spot. Like Bennett normally, I think nine times out of ten, would be winning this sprint. Or if you said to Quickstep, hey, going to the last 200, you got Sam on Ackerman's wheel, um, clear road ahead, Ackerman's going to kick at 225. Sam's going to get should have a perfect sit on him. They'd be like, "Thank you very much for that. We'll be taking those odds." And that happened. Except Ackerman was either, was too strong today. He's obviously recovered pretty well from the previous stages. It was clearly going to be between those two. Cantor and Philipson were kind of fighting it out on the other side of the road, getting in each other's way. Um, Ackerman 
like twitches to the left. I have no issue with it at all. I don't even think it's barely worth mentioning it, but I think it, I wasn't going to mention it, but it did definitely caused Bennett to then move left quite a, quite a way when Ackerman kind of twitched as if he was going to the left a little bit. Um, nothing out of the ordinary what Ackerman did, but the reaction from Bennett meant that he had to go just a little bit further to the line, maybe slowed down a little bit. And we're talking inches here, and that's how much Ackerman won by. We had to wait for the photo finish. He won by maybe two, three inches, and I think that might have made a little bit of a difference. But congrats to Pascal Ackerman. Been a rough, I think, welter for him, and he's saved it for Bora Hansgrower in the last stage. Anything else interesting you saw in this in this sprint, Benji? I'd love to talk about what Philipson was doing on the line, like a good 20 metres before the line, 30 metres before the line. He started sprinting and he had a bit of a gap on Kanter. He's riding a good three meters of the left barrier and Kanter is going on his left and passing him on his left. And it's not necessarily a devi- well, It's kind of a deviation, but I don't think it's on purpose. It's some, some super weird stuff. So you've got the road that is also becoming wider a bit and the left barrier is getting wider and wider. So for Philipson and Kanter... I think they both were following a different line, depending on that. And Kanter was sprinting straight compared to the road that it was initially. And Philipson kind of looked like he was sprinting a bit not straight, but I think it's more because he was focusing on the left barrier as his indication, and that left barrier was going more to the left and more to the left. So I think that caused Philipson and Kanter to like ride towards each other, but mainly on the occasion of Philipson for me. And he almost crashed both him and Counter with a, with a good 20 meters to go. So I'm glad that that did not happen on the line here. That would have been horrible. But um, it's a bit of a weird thing. It's like even 20 meters before the line, when they were already touching each other, it looked like Philipson was trying to avoid the eye and cofidus on the, on the sponsor thing that is just before the line. You've got these words on the road for, as a sponsor uh, and uh, he just he just wrote around the eye of that Coffitas spawn super weird behavior, but I just can't place contract. why he did it. But it's also not really on purpose, so I can't really say it's a deviation or anything. It's just a bit of it's a, like Sagan and Kwiatkowski, uh, right? At Milano San Remo, it's yeah, kind of in that basket. It's like a, an unbalanced bike throw, like you say, and maybe perhaps someone has to say to Philipson that a horizontal bike throw won't help too much. But yeah, all in all. Not that big of a deal. A uh, a proper final stage. Akamon winning um, in the end. Probably good for his uh, his mental state. He's going to be much more happy with this Velta having one victory in the bag. And I think that Bora is going to be more happy about him as well. So for future seasons, looking forward to seeing him with the top sprinters once again. That perhaps he was a tiny bit under this year. And I hope that he can come back to a... Uh, to fight with the best properly on uh, on next season. But he did today as well. So, yeah, I'm happy Mark with that down. I'm winning. Yes. Mark that down for an off-season podcast. Best sprinters in the world are rankings. I've got a lot to say particularly about today because the De Kearney quick step train effect is real. Sam Bennett getting a lead out from Merku and co. That has a big effect. We saw he didn't get that Merku lead out today. And he wasn't able to win against Ackerman, who's definitely not up there with you and, and Demar. So, yeah, that, that factors into my thinking about ranking the best sprinters. But I'll hold my thoughts a little bit there. You can perhaps see where I'm going with that. We'll move on to stage three, the last stage of the Cheratizit. 
Ferratizzi challenge by La Vuelta. Madrid to Madrid, 98.6K is a rolly parkour with oh, just like a slight uphill incline. They do like 15 laps in Madrid. And the GC situation was kind of more was more interesting than I first described yesterday because I didn't realize there were so many bonus seconds because there's about 10 intermediate sprints on this stage. Brenauer, the German, is in first, 10 seconds ahead of Longo Borghini and 13 seconds ahead of Van Dyke and 17 seconds ahead of Annemiek van Vleuten and 18 seconds ahead of Lorena Viebs. Sarah Roy was 27 seconds back, but Van Vleuten said, I think she's leaving Michelin Scott, right, Benji? In her, she said she's going to, they were riding for Sarah Roy, even though she was nine seconds behind Van Vleuten in GC. And Roy did a pretty good TT yesterday, but obviously a better sprinter than uh, Van Vleuten. So pretty magnanimous from Annemiek van Vleuten. I mean, it's not the most, probably the biggest race of her career, and she might not be in the best form at the moment. But, yeah, she she was riding for Sarah Roy today. We saw her on the front a fair bit. But those intermediate sprints were going to be pivotal. There was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven intermediate sprints, each with oh, a fair few, like I think four bonus seconds, maybe more. And it was confusing because the Tissot timing was taking them at every lap and it wasn't supposed to be like that. Also, another rider moving, I think Lucy van der Haar is retiring after this race for high-tech products. She was dual national, uh, dual junior world champion on the road. She's only like 25 or 26. Maybe we'll talk about that in another off-season podcast as a the state of women's cycling and uh, financial aspects, etc. I know an article has been published by, I think, the Cyclist Alliance about financial pressures being a reason for women retiring early from the sport. Seems that and other things for van der Haar, um, who maybe hasn't fulfilled the potential we thought she had um, based on that junior those junior results. So this was her last stage. Wish her well in the future. And, yeah, it was Lorena Viebs basically taking all these intermediate sprints whenever they came around. But then she was... I had to respond to an attack from Elisa Longo Borghini. Now, I've only had been able to watch like snippets of this as the like five second twi- sort of videos are posted on Twitter because haven't been able to watch any live coverage. Lisa Brenauer was also trying to contest those sprints, but then I think well, Elisa Longo Borghini got a fair gap. She broke away from those the other riders as I thought she would. I think yesterday I might have picked her or Lorena Vives for the stage. Longo Borghini attack, she needed to make up a fair few seconds on GC. She got a 20-second gap, but then eventually got reeled in by the sprinters' teams. And, yeah, it was a head-to-head sprint between uh, Consoni, Chiara Consoni, Zanardi, Clarici, Lisa Brenau trying to stay up there as much as possible, even though she's more of a time trialist, uh, Yelena Eric, Bastianelli, Elisa uh, Balsamo, 22-year-old sprinter for Valcar. She'll be going to a bigger team soon. And Lorena Viebs. But I think Lorena Viebs just went way too early. She was way overconfident in this sprint. She was not drafting beforehand before she opened up her sprint properly, didn't even seem to bother to do that. Opened it up, allowed Balsamo, who was getting a lead out from, I think, Chiara Consoni, her Valcar teammate. And yeah, she just went in front of Balsamo and started sprinting. Balsamo, by the way, who came second on stage one, slots onto Lorena Vibes wheel and beats her on the line. Very close finish as well, taking 
the stage today in Madrid. I think that is, uh, yeah, I'd say the biggest win of her career. I know she won stage at Amgen Tour of California, but this to me, I think probably the biggest win of her career given the status on paper of, of this race. Um, but she's been, I think, in the Italian Olympic team with Paternoster, et cetera, or at least the track world championships team. I saw she was on in Brisbane last year, the Animes Velodrome for the track championships. Um, but, yeah, Lorena Veeds, I think, uh, wouldn't have won GC even if she had won because of where Brenauer and Borghini, how they'd done with the bonus seconds throughout the stage. Brenauer takes the overall... 12 seconds ahead of Lisa Longa Borghini and 13 seconds ahead of Lorena Veebs and 31 seconds ahead of fourth Ellen Van Dyke. Van Vleuten actually still finishes two seconds ahead of Sarah Roy, who missed out on the sprint today. She was 12th, so that didn't really work out for Mitchelton Scott. Um, but, yeah, pretty interesting race in terms of the way they've designed it, despite not the most, like, exciting parkour i still it's kind of like women's bink bank the way i saw this race to be honest um maybe they could i think you can't have the same exact parkour as women's bink bank otherwise you get maybe just van vleuten or van der bregen winning every time every race and i'm not sure that's exactly the the optimal thing. I think it's good to have an, a race like this where there was a, a really good balance between the sprinters, Brenau, oh, sorry, the sprinters, Veebs and Balsama. Well, you got Balsama who did not so really bad in the TT, I think. And so I don't know how she finished so far back in the TT and it seems only to have the final punch. So she's like not really there on GC. But then you got the sprinters who are kind of good in, did an okay TT and then can fight for the intermediate sprints, Lorena Veebs. Got her up there. And then you've got the TT specialist, uh, Brenau, Ellen Van Dyke. Ellen Van Dyke's won this race, I think, before or come second or third as well. TT specialist right up there. And then you've also got just the straight-up all-rounders, Lisa Longo-Borghini, Annemiek van Vleuten um, as well. And Liana Lippert, I'm kind of surprised that she's finished so far back on on GC. Maybe she didn't have the best TT uh, yesterday. She lost 35 seconds. So, yeah, I think it's a really interesting balanced race and uh, I'm keen to see if they can promote it more next year. Uh, We're going to try and do our best with that. I think having it on at the same day, the same time as the Vuelta or same with the Giro Rosa, it was always on at the same time as the Tour, which makes it very, very difficult with, Everyone's got limited bandwidth in terms of like journalists or whoever covering things, and um, it just makes it very very difficult. Whereas if it's the the only show in town, like the Tour Down Under, it's the only show in town that gets like got more plays on the uh, GCN Racing YouTube videos, highlight videos than their Paranese videos. So it just goes to show. But anyway, congrats to Lisa Balsamo. She is one to watch. Twenty two year old Italian sprinter for next year especially. Lorena Veebs, still the best overall female sprinter in the world and uh, a great win for Lisa Brenner. I think she's won this race, yeah, back-to-back years. So just like Roglic defended his title in the men's Vuelta, back-to-back, Brenner wins this back-to-back. And, uh, yeah, she's just keeping on keeping on, just still winning loads of races, still really competitive. Brenner in the Classics, fourth in Flanders, third in Gent-Wevelheim, second in three Ducks of Brugge de Pan, 
and top 10 world champs ITT. Yeah, just really, really consistent season from her, but this is probably the best overall result and she'll be very happy with this, also taking the ITT stage. Um, that's all I've really got to say. Is there any other news, Benji, before we sign off? Try and keep it under 30 minutes today. Anything else we missed um, from the Vuelta? Anything we've got? We've got the recap show coming up. Yeah, indeed. We've got a recap show co- coming up in the coming days. Probably going to be in like two, three days, four days, somewhere around that area. But uh, I'd love to highlight an achievement of the podcast and of yourself. Uh, I don't know if I actually said it on the podcast that your nickname made it worldwide already. Or did I say that yesterday as well? <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I can't remember. It's on Wikipedia as well now, so uh, I don't know how, how that happened. But in a week time, El Jaguar... The the Tulacan is becoming a mainstream thing already. Yeah, I can't believe it's on Wikipedia. I mean, it is a better nickname, so uh, I'm not surprised it's uh, it's taken off. Obviously, if you want to check out my video on the Vuelta Stage 17, the last real stage of this Vuelta, you can go and check that out at ITV Sport. Have you got anything on anything else on Benji that people should go and check out? Anything you got in the pipeline? Uh, nothing to announce yet. That's uh, okay what i'd go about that's all from us today welter stage 18 recap we'll go through who won all the jerseys all the time splits etc in our recap podcast either tomorrow or the day after sarah tizit i still can't remember if it's thera or terra tizit the madrid <laughs> challenge race in madrid <laughs> won by lisa brenauer this has been an absolute marathon but a pleasure nonetheless thank you so much for joining us on this epic journey throughout the crazy 2020 season. I can't believe all the races that have happened. Thank you to all the race organisers and the riders in particular for just performing at an incredible level and making it possible, as well as LaCole, our show partner, for making this podcast possible and bringing it to your ears. But that's all from us today. We'll see you tomorrow or the next day. Hope you're well. Ciao. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most, but if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.